And let me tell you, cold calling the old way can be psychologically traumatic because you're being personally rejected. You're doing what you've been told to do. You're playing the numbers game. And every call, you're getting pushback, and you wonder why this feels so bad. It's literally inhumane. And the issue is not the performance of the person who's calling, and it's not your product. The problem is the approach. The approach is outdated. It's old school, and it triggers the wrong impression. So what I'm suggesting is that people can actually make calls in a comfortable manner as if calling a friend and without being rejected. This is Michael Sinoff with HardToFindSeminars.com. The next 40 minutes is probably some of the best cold calling strategies I have heard today. Let's get started. Cold calling techniques that will get you sales faster than ever. Let's go. I did an interview with a guy who had some experience with cold calling, and I have someone who edits all my audio recordings, and as she was editing it, she had heard of you, and she goes, you may want to check this guy out, and she sent me to your website, and that's how I originally heard about you, and as I was reading, I go, this sounds really good, and it's something that I think a lot of people who come to my site, Hard to Find Seminars, let's face it, there's a lot of people out there pounding the phone. With long-distance service so inexpensive, especially even internationally, it is an extremely effective and great way to sell. But so many people, like you say, have been programmed with the sales gurus and it's painful. People don't like to do it because of a lot of the reasons you talk about on your site. So tell me, how do you get into all this? Are you a speaker? Are you a sales trainer? Who is Ari? Well, you know, pretty much my whole career has been behind the scenes. I've been in charge of developing and designing sales training for some very large companies. Where did it all start? Were you in sales in high school? Well, I did sell in college a bit, but where it started was I actually have a master's degree in education and training. It's actually called instructional design. And it's a specialized field that has developed instruction and training and information for people so they can best use and implement it on the job. And so after getting that degree, I got a job in the sales training department of both UPS and Qualcomm. Where were you located then? In San Diego and then Atlanta. And I was basically involved with designing and developing the training programs for the salespeople worldwide. And I was in charge of bringing in some of the gurus to speak. And so I got this in all the sales training programs that are on the market. Did you get that job because that was your major in college, and then who hired you first, Qualcomm or UPS? UPS. So UPS uh, hired you, and they brought you in to do what? To develop and design product and sales training for the worldwide sales force. Wow. They had a small sales training department at the corporate office in Atlanta, and I was involved with rolling out many of the services, and I actually would literally write and create the selling materials and training for the salespeople. That's pretty big responsibility for a company like UPS. It was, and the funny thing is I was never the trainer. I was the designer of training. I wrote and I thought through everything. And how many years were you with UPS? About four years. And did you like it? I loved it. Great company, very practical, very innovative, good people, really loved it. I did a really a lot of fun things there. Yeah, and they were probably really kicking butt at that time. Big oh, yeah. growth? Oh, yeah. I rolled out about 12 new products in about two years. I was in charge of the training-wise, so I was really involved with heavy sales training and new product development. Could you see the results of your efforts? Could you see the increase in sales from some of the training stuff you developed? Well, here's the interesting thing. Not only increasing in sales, but people just thanked us for the appreciation of the program, of the materials. They were so concise. They were step-by-step. -step. They were very customer-oriented, and they 
had the psychology behind it in terms of how to connect to people. Now, where were you doing your research to put it all together? It was just based upon our group's experience. I never really had a role model myself in terms of any of the gurus, just my aunt, basically. It was just organic, I guess I could say. Okay. And then you were with them for four years, and then Qualcomm hired you away? Yeah, then I tried to come back to San Diego where I grew up, and Qualcomm was in their heyday at the time. They were just hiring crazily there, and they were hiring a lot of salespeople that needed some more sales training thinking and development, and so I got hired there as a senior developer, and there I developed similar aspects of training and product development briefings, I would call them, and so I just spent a lot of time on how salespeople best to talk to customers in a non-aggressive way, and that's where I got a lot of my thinking from. Did you know Erwin Jacobs personally over there? I met her a couple times, but I didn't know on a personal basis. Okay. How many people were on your team for that department? I think there were maybe about four or five of us, small group, and then I got moved into one of the divisions called Omnitrax, where I was involved with training for their specific sales force, so it was a really good experience. And then from there, I actually left to cut my own teeth in direct selling with a company called Website Story. And they're in San Diego as well, and they actually offered online software services to track website user behavior, like the way people travel to the websites and how they buy. So I was involved with helping them grow and selling their product. At that job, I was actually managing 18 salespeople and sold myself, and that's where I really began to form a lot of my ideas. When you were at Qualcomm and UPS, was the feedback from the sales force helpful in you finding out what was really working and what wasn't? Oh, yeah, because I would go out in the field with them, and I'd go on sales calls with them, and we had this hotline right to the sales force, so we were very much engaged at the front line. That's how we were able to piece it all together from their perspective. So this is like a big laboratory that you were involved with for almost seven or eight years. Yes, it was. And then a lot of that feedback is a result of what you've put together now in your training? Yes, and also just a lot of my exposure of being with those big companies. I got exposed to a lot of training programs that a lot of these corporations bring in and pay for. And what was your thoughts on that? How much would a company pay for when they brought in training? Uh, they paid up to hundreds of thousands of dollars for company-wide training for these very large corporate type of training events. And so I was involved with the proposal process of bringing them in. I would actually get to sit in the back of the room, which is the greatest thing of all and take notes and when I was in that room and watching these training programs I noticed a big hole a big hole in all these programs and that was that all these training programs taught people to mentally focus on closing the sale what they did not teach to do was how to build trust first how to execute that and that was the missing piece that I realized helped me uncover this whole idea okay why does the trust issue have to come before closing the sale why was that a hole well, because if someone does not trust you first and is comfortable telling you the truth of where they stand, they're going to pull you down what I call a chasing game, which is they may show interest, they may say it sounds great, yes, we're interested, but in reality, they may not be. So what happens a lot of times is salespeople get very excited when they get a prospect that says they're interested. They assume that what they're hearing is absolutely accurate and true, and then when they call the person back and get their voicemail and they never get a call back, they wonder what happened, why they got stuck. And what I found in my experience is that salespeople in general, people who sell, who have been exposed to old way of telling. When they mentally only focus on the outcome, then what happens is all their words and phrases and all the momentum is driven by that, and people on the phone pick that up a mile away, and they set the alarms off, and they push back on the salesperson. That's where the whole conflict begins. Okay. Before we get into some of this, all this learning, all your experience with UPS, with Qualcomm, 
and being able to sit like a fly on the wall and watch these large dollar sales training programs. After you've designed and engineered your own unique program from learning all this, what's the big promise that a listener maybe who comes to my site, how are they going to benefit from maybe listening and using any of your products or ideas or techniques that they're not going to find anywhere else? The major benefit is removing the fear and the mental reluctance of making the call. That is the biggest issue that everybody in sales has right now. They can't stand it. They would rather eat glass. It's like a 10,000 pound weight. There's a mental block. And let me tell you, cold calling the old way can be psychologically traumatic because you're being personally rejected. You're doing what you've been told to do. You're playing the members game. And every call you're getting pushback and you wonder why this feels so bad. It's literally inhumane. And the issue is not the performance of the person who's calling and it's not your product. The problem is the approach. The approach is outdated. It's old school and it triggers the wrong impression. So what I'm suggesting is that people can actually make calls in a comfortable manner as if calling a friend and without being rejected. But I've pounded the phone and isn't it true that if you're tough and you just let it roll off your shoulder and you pound the phone and you understand that if you do your numbers it may be one out of 20 may end up being good and the ones who reject you, you just blow them off and just move on. Is that still somewhat valid with your system? Yeah, completely valid. It's your personal choice. You can choose that manner of being tough and getting beat up and feeling good about it and squeezing out a couple of in the day. Absolutely. That's been happening right now in hundreds of companies all over the world. The, the issue is that that's not the only way. <laughs> and there's a much more efficient, much more humane way of calling people. And it's simply a personal choice. Do you want to continue to be beat up like that? Or do you want to make friends and build relationships and actually make sales the easy way? Before we get into some specifics, do you have some case studies or some stories of maybe some of the people of what they were experiencing before and after using your system? Can you talk about some of the success they've had? Sure. I'd be happy to tell you one story of a gentleman named Bruce who actually was a teacher and he got laid off from being a teacher and he went into insurance sales and he called me in tears. Just so fearful of making that call, anticipating the rejection. Had he started yet? No, he hadn't started. He just couldn't pick up the phone because his only mental experience of selling was the phone calls he gets at home every night. So what he did not want to be and nobody wants to be is attached to that stereotype that everybody hates so much, that negative selling stereotype. So he was afraid and fearful that if he would start making calls, he would sound like those people, even though he wasn't like them. It's like this role reversal. Yeah, that's true because now I'm just thinking from my perspective, I've made thousands of calls, but there are a lot of people out there who have never made a sales call and the only thing they can relate to are the terrible telemarketers calling you during dinner time. Therein lies the core blockage. See, people associate selling with that negative image. That yeah. scares everybody away. What they don't know is what they don't know. They aren't aware that there's a whole different mindset and different way of looking and thinking and doing this that's pleasant and productive. All right, so he called you and you worked with him a little bit and he ordered some yeah. of your products. He bought the program. I worked with him personally and what we did was we basically helped him sort of detox from his old way of thinking and provide him with actual tools and words and phrases and a new mindset to help him approach the call in a way where he's not selling. Instead, he becomes a problem solver. And that's the mental shift that's taught in the program to sort of shift mentally to that mode and then to have a strategy to enter that call in a way where you're not pitching your solution. Instead, you're actually addressing the issue that your solution solves for the person you're calling. Different way of thinking. And so how did that go when he started making calls with his insurance? Well, I'll tell you, he actually was nice enough to leave me an audio message.
message. It was radically amazing for him. He was able to make calls and get appointments with such ease. He was a complete shock. He even told his wife that he looked forward to making more calls. So it's a complete transformation. And the funny thing is most people don't believe it's possible because they're so used to the negative mental effects of calling and the rejection. They just do not believe it's possible. But if you change your mental mindset and you have an approach that does not create sales alarms to go out from the person's mind you're calling, you can have pleasant conversations and be extremely effective without being aggressive. If you can't wait to get through this interview, go to painfreecoldcalls.com. That's painfreecoldcalls.com. Okay, that's great. Can you give me another story? Any other case studies of any of your clients that well, really stick out? What's interesting is I've got case studies from almost every industry possible, from software to selling furniture to coaches. And what's interesting about these case studies is that what people discover is that it's not about what they're selling, it's about how they're selling. I'll give you an example. I had someone just a few weeks ago purchase the program, and it's a husband and wife who basically opened their own record label. He sells music, his own music, actually. And he came from the old school way of selling, the numbers game, basically being aggressive on the phone, giving a pitch and closing his eyes and hope it works, and he just absolutely hated the idea of doing this again. And here he was in a creative project for himself, and he wanted a much more comfortable way of approaching people. So he bought the program, and he acting this to his creative way of making music in a way where you actually can connect to people in a natural way without a linear step-by-step -step script. And he's absolutely having complete success because he's able to be himself, speak his own words, and not be scripty and still make the sale. Can we do a case study? Can I give you a specific situation that I'd like to get your help on? Yeah. For instance, I sell consulting services, and one method that I would teach somebody is to buy leads from Information USA, probably of manufacturing companies within a geographical area right around San Diego or wherever they're located, and the business is doing between a million and five million a year in gross, and I have the name of the owner. So what would you advise if I've got my list in front of me, I'm getting ready to pound the phone, and the goal is to see if I can identify a prospect who'd like to grow their business, who is in pain and would like to grow their business through a new approach in marketing without having to spend more money on advertising. Okay, well, there's a mental process we have to go with first. Let me ask you a question. What would you say would be the major problem that you help the business solve with your solution? Ask that first. The major problem would be to help them get growth with low-cost, inexpensive marketing methods. Okay. Growth means what? Let's say more money for the business, more sales, more gross profit. Okay, well, I'm actually taking you right now to the coaching process. What I'm trying to do is help you articulate specifically at a tactical level what he gets for your solution. So sales in general might be a little abstract. What we talked about is more inbound leads, more phone calls, obviously more revenue. I'm trying to just come up with the right wording to really be much more tactical. So what you're saying is your marketing solves the problem of him being able to generate more sales and more revenue, right? Yeah, that is correct. Okay, so that's the problem that we solve for them. So traditionally, if I was coaching you and I was an old guru, I'd say to you, look, make a phone call, build some rapport, and give a pitch about what you do, right? Right. And get their attention, and hopefully it'll keep going from that point. Right. I may say, this is Michael with Michael Sinoff Consulting, and the reason I'm calling is I'd like to know if you'd be interested in growing your business without having to spend more money on advertising. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. If someone calls you on the phone and says, hi, my name is Michael. I'm with XYZ Company. We do this. What goes through your mind in a couple seconds? I know it's a salesperson. That's right. So we don't want to use that approach because the minute you say, hello, my name is, it's over. Meant in the mind. You're fighting a battle, which is very difficult to win. So what we teach is a different way of thinking. We teach our goal of that first call is to not get the appointment first. The first goal of that call is to diffuse the pressure.
pressure from the call. Remove the suspicion. Build the trust. And the way you do that is you begin the call with, and this is all laid out step by step in the materials, but you begin the call with, hi, my name is Ari. I'm with XYZ Company. And the first thing you say is, we haven't met yet. Okay. We haven't met yet. So what do you think that does to the conversation? And what does it help the person do? It helps them relax. Helps them relax. But you're big enough to let them know that you haven't met yet. You're removing some of the suspicion because they're probably wondering, who is this guy, right? Yeah. So you're answering their question. Yeah. There's a lot of psychology here. It's important to break down for it before you move forward. It's important to build a conversation in a way that does not trigger the world. Now, I'm going to do this no matter who answers, secretary, owner, or whatever. It's really your contact. I mean, your calling contact of a name of somebody. And out of respect for them, it's this normal conversation that we haven't met yet. What if I get a gatekeeper? Oh, yeah, that's a separate scenario. All right. So this is if I'm talking to my contact. Yeah. Like you said, you have a name of someone to call, right? You would basically say, my name's Ari. I'm with XYZ Marketing, and we haven't met yet. Let the conversation sort of level out a little bit there. And then what you say is, maybe you can help me out for a moment. That's what we say next. Maybe you can help me out for a moment. Typically, they'll say, how can I help you? Now, the delivery is very important here. I'm not going to come across aggressive. I'm not going to be excited. It's going to be a very relaxed entry point like this. Hi, my name's Ari. We haven't met yet. And I'm with XYZ Company. I'm hoping you can help me out for a moment. Okay. How can I help you? Right. That's what happens almost every single time. Wow. That's okay? great. Because you're drawing them into you. You're not pushing back with, hi, my name's Ari. I'm with, you have a couple seconds. I'm going to call that. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. It's over. It's hello, you know? You're right. That's true. So when we're completely aware of how we're being perceived and how we're being received by the person. This 60 seconds is broken down into a four-hour program for a reason because there's so many elements that we've never thought of before that actually caused the rejection to happen. So anyways, we move on. He says, how can I help you, right? Then we move directly into the problem statement. So then I'm going to say, I'm just giving you a call to see if you'd be open to some different ideas on how to bring in more sales into your business. Yeah, that's great. Now, what have I not done there? You haven't pushed anything on him. You're asking his opinion or you're asking if he's open. You're trying to identify his openness. I haven't made a pitch. I haven't told him what I do. I haven't pushed. I didn't say if you'd be interested, did I? Yeah. You never use sales words like would you be interested or explore. Those are all overused sales Sorry, you words. got rid of that. So you just said would you be would open. Would you yeah. be open? To some different, not new ideas. Why not new? Because every salesperson in the world says new and improved, right? True. Every single word I'm using now is chosen for a reason. It's designed to detach any worry that might associate you with a negative, stereotypical salesperson image. And that's what we break down in the program is the word-for-word -word way of approaching people is natural and engaging without a pitch. So I'm beginning the call here identifying the problem, not the solution. And so anyways, what typically happens is you get one of two responses. You get what do you mean, or you get who's this? Do you get one or the other more than the other, or does it pretty uh, Usually, well, it depends how, if you deliver it in a natural way, they might say, well, what do you mean? And that gives you permission to move forward in terms of being more specific about what you do. So in your case, you might say, well, what I mean specifically is looking at a different marketing strategy that's probably costing you a lot less than you're paying now and giving you much more sales. Okay, tell me more. Okay, so this is what we're looking for. What we're looking for with this approach is tell me more, mm -hmm. tell me more. Tell me more. Because you're slowly creating a conversation, not bombarding them with so much information that pitch, and you're giving them a chance to breathe. That's the whole point. This is a two-way dialogue, not a one-way pitch. That's why this is a natural way of calling people. And let's just say he says to you, who's this? You simply just sort of 
say, I'm sorry, my name is Ari, I'm with XYZ Company, and I'm just giving you a call, you go right back to the same problem statement. You don't get a pissed at what you do. You just go right back, what we do is we help companies with different ideas to bring in more revenue sales to the company. You mentally stick on their issues, on their problem, because it's premature to offer a pitch about you until you first have acknowledgement to the issue they want to solve. So that's pretty much the rule. Make sure they acknowledge the issue that you're going to solve for them before you get into you. Exactly. That is the mindset. The mindset is to focus on them and not you. That's important because they don't care about you. They want their problem solved. That's what you're there about. Exactly. But traditional trading is just the opposite. When we go to companies, we're hired. We're taught to do what? To be an expert on our product and then start talking about it. We've never been taught to think from their point of view. That's the big conflict is that if you've been taught the traditional way, your confidence comes from your product knowledge, not from the ability to generate the conversation from their point of view. And that's what we provide as an expansion of people's mindsets to help them generate the conversation in a natural way. All right. And this strategy can be used for any product or service all across the board. Anything, because what we don't do here is focus on what you're selling. We focus on how you're doing it, and then we design a problem statement around it to design to test your solution. So there's two steps. There's a mindset, and then there's the languaging or the words and phrases that are targeted towards the problem that your solution solves. Now, obviously, it's not going to work 100% of the time, but it's certainly going to work a lot better than the old way. Give me the negative side. Where do you hear the rejection come up, and how do you teach people to handle well, it? Well, I do have a whole section on objections, of course. There will be some resistance with some people. People are just so numb and so sensitized to the sales calls. No matter what you say, there might be some pushback. So there's no 100% perfect exact method that's going to work every single time. It reduces the likelihood of any rejection and pushback on the phone because we're not doing anything to trigger that. So I do have a whole methodology around how to diffuse objections and we can talk about it if you like. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay. So let's talk about some common ones that probably everyone can relate to. Say someone says to you, Michael, we already are using another marketing vendor. Would that be such a common? Absolutely, yeah. And what would you say, just in your opinion, how would most people respond to that typically? Most people would probably just say, that's great. Can you tell me how are they working for you? That's right. Okay, so what we've been taught to do is to overcome the objection, right? And that's what we've been taught to do is sort of cleverly overcome it to get past it. Right, by asking questions, trying to get a hook in to overcome that's right. it. But what's the risk if the other person does not feel you're hearing what they're saying and to be true? Yeah, they're going to build resistance and they're going to be frustrated and then they're going to stop listening to you. That's right. So we're creating more pressure by overcoming what they're trying to say. That's the real problem because that creates more rejection on the situation. We teach a whole different way of looking at these objections. What we teach is to first diffuse the objection and reopen the conversation again. So in this example, how we handle this is someone says to me, Ari, we're already using another vendor. What I say is, is what you always say whenever you get an objection, you always say, that's not a problem. That's the first thing you say is, that's not a problem. That helps the moment breathe for a second. Say, that's not a problem. Then you'd say, I wasn't calling to replace who you currently have. I was just calling to see if you'd be open to some different ideas that you may not have now. That's great, because that does answer his real objection. Right. What I'm basically saying is, look, I'm not going to rip out who you have. That's not my goal. My goal is to generate a conversation with you to see if you'd be open to some different ideas. And that's how we handle objections. We have every single objection written out with a response in a way that diffuses it so there's no tension and no pressure so you can reopen up again to really get to the truth of where everything stands. Let's do another objection. What's another real common one? Uh, another one might be the budget. That's always a pretty common one. We don't have the budget for it. Yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Again, if someone responds if we don't have the budget, of course, we teach to always, always, always begin responding with, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's kind of funny. There's no problems, right? <laughs> right. Believe it or not, 
up. I just say that's not a problem. It sort of disarms the person, gives a chance to sort of calm the moment down a bit. So what you say is that's not a problem. A lot of our clients did not have the budget at first for this. That's completely common, and that's why we had to come up with a business case to help make a justification for it. Would you be open to some ideas around that? There you go. Back to would you be open to? Yeah, so I'm offering solutions. I'm not overcoming their objection. I'm acknowledging their objection to be true, which is so rare because we're used to going right past it and overcoming it and trying to beat it, and that's the problem. That conflict creates the pressure on the conversation. Let's do one more because that's excellent. What's another real common objection? Oh, a real sticky one is your price is too high, which is pretty common. Yeah, so you say that's not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Michael, your price is too high. So the first thing you say is that's not a problem. And then what you say is, again, the goal is to validate what they're saying to be true, okay, from their point of view. So what you say is you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right that the price can be perceived as high if you haven't yet had a chance to use the program yet. You're absolutely right. Would you be open to some different ideas on how to make the pricing work for you in a way that feels comfortable for you and meets your needs? Yeah, that's excellent. So you've got every one of these objections. You've got all this stuff scripted out in your course? The course contains every imaginable objection possible with the methodology around it, the mindset, and the wording. When did you start putting the course together? When did you get the idea that, okay, I've got this training with UPS, with Qualcomm, I've succeeded in it in doing direct sales for your software company? About four years now. It's been four years down the market. There have been thousands of people using it. It has a life of its own now. What I'm getting is a lot of what I call sales refugees, people from the old school way of thinking who are just tired of beat up on the phone, and they're all coming this way because they want to go back to what's most natural for them to be effective without being aggressive. Have you seen anything else out there like it, like all the sales gurus, the stuff I grew up on, Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and all those guys, are they still pretty solid on their opinion? I like Brian Tracy a lot. I think he has some really good stuff. I have a lot of his programs he actually endorses. I've got to say of all the gurus out there, he's got some of the best stuff because it's not aggressive, but it's very intelligent. What most people teach is they say, look, don't be salesy, don't be pitchy think positive and accept rejection as normal. They try and explain how to sell, but what they're missing is how to build trust. They don't have the words and the phrases in the psychological framework to enter that first call. If you look around the market right now, you're not going to find too many people who teach how to break that first 60 seconds down into a method that's natural and comfortable and does not create rejection. That's the missing piece that no one has created yet, and that's what makes it so successful. I've got some bullets here from your website. Can we go over a couple of these? Sure, yeah. Okay, I've got asking questions doesn't guarantee the truth. What's that mean? Well, a lot of the old school corporate programs teach when you make a phone call to someone, the first thing you do is start asking questions about their business. Like, how long have you been in business? What are your problems? You kind of go on a fishing expedition. You try and get the information from them to see if they're a good fit with them or not. The problem with that is people don't have the patience or aren't willing to share with you the truth about their situation if they don't know who you are or trust you yet. And so it's old school method of just calling and start asking questions about their business to identify the problem is outdated and creates an issue because people in most cases are not going to tell you their problems unless they trust you first. So what we teach is to be able to call already knowing their core problem. And the way you get that is you think about why people have already bought your solution and think about the three core issues that your solution solves and you use those to call. And that's what we have is a methodology to convert your solution to the problem statements. And so that statement about asking questions and giving the truth, what I'm saying is people will not tell you the truth. Because they're asking questions, they don't trust you yet. All right, the mindset, people, not prospects. Yes, the concept there is to view the call as a conversation between you and another human being. And when you just view the other person just as a prospect, it detaches you from the other person and how they're receiving you. So 
But what I'm trying to do here is connect two human beings together in a much more natural way without there being this buyer and seller tension or someone trying to sell the other person something they may or may not need. So the idea of viewing a person as a human being as a person, what that does, it just helps the person selling to connect with the person at a much more natural level. Just the words themselves actually help that. Right. Voicemail is the beginning, not the end. How do you handle voicemail with so many voicemail systems out there? What recommendations would you have for that? Well, we teach a whole methodology around that, and primarily the premise is, look, if you get voicemail and you have no other option, then you're basically rolling the dice. Okay, you have no other way to get a hold of the person there. Look, leave a message, fine, but you have no guarantee of getting a call back. But we do have some ideas around that. One, if you get a voicemail, you can hit zero and go back to the front desk. Then there's a way to basically, in a non-aggressive way, identify the whereabouts of where the person is. And we teach that. And I'll give you a couple examples. Let's do it. Normally, if you're sort of the traditional salesperson, you call back and you hit zero and you say, hi, is Jim around? No, he's tied up right now and I take a message. Exactly, when you're stuck. So what we do is we teach to call back and hit zero and say, maybe you can help me out for a moment. Okay, right. sure. I try to get a hold of Jim. I got his voicemail. Would you happen to know if he's at lunch, in a meeting, or on vacation by any chance? Okay. I'm offering solutions right away to help the other person guide me. And what I'm trying to do here is identify where he might be. So in many cases, one of those three questions might be the answer. If he's on vacation, you know you don't have to call back. If he's at lunch, you can call him back in an hour. And exactly, Michael. What we're doing is we're extracting information to decide whether to move on or not. You see, what happens is if you don't have this methodology, when you hear voice call, automatically you say to yourself, you know what, that's me, I'll move on. You could leave behind a great potential prospect. Yes, this is where the numbers game comes from. It's because there's been no other idea than how to handle the scenarios to go deeper in the call. People just hang up and call someone else. They have to go, oh, it's a numbers game. Okay, no, it's not. The reason is because you just don't know if there's different ways of handling it. So we have come up with a way to extract the information to identify where the person is. I can tell you, there have been many instances where we've called in in our training scenarios with live salespeople, and the person is at their desk tying their shoe, and they miss the call. Right. Do you have another technique on that? Well, we do. On what to leave on the voicemail, we teach people to basically leave on the voicemail what they would say on the cold call. So in your case, it'd be, hi, my name's Michael, maybe you can help me out for a moment. I'm just giving you a call to see if you'd be open to different ideas related to you. Basically plug in your problem statement. You would not give a pitch about what you do. So we basically port over what we come up with on the first call into the voicemail. And those usually get lower calls than a normal, hi, my name's John, we offer this program, give me a call back. Right. You say at the end, if you're interested, give me a call when you get a chance or give me a call at any specifics on how you invite them to call you back? Uh, you just say, if you open up some different ideas related to these issues, give me a ring. The whole idea here is to leave a message that is not pitchy, not salesy. That's the whole idea here. Right. What's this fight or flight reaction about? Well, that relates to objections and overcoming them. What happens is we've been taught when we get resistance to overcome it or to basically bail out fight or flight. What I'm saying is the third option. The third option is to diffuse the moment, diffuse the pressure on the call, and level it so it's a two-way dialogue and re-engage again. That's what we teach in the program. How about the objection, send me more information, where it's almost like a blow-off? How do you handle that? Well, I'll tell you, most people, when they get that, they go, great. And they send it. Then they call and they're stuck chasing the person down. They get their voicemail, they're not there, and now they're in the chasing game, which is very painful for everybody. I'm going to ask you, what would you say would be the three hidden agendas behind sending information? Send me information is to get rid of you without having to reject you over the phone, voice to voice. He may be interested, but just send it and he'll have a look at it when he gets a chance. Exactly. Maybe shopping around. Yeah, that's possible. But what he didn't say was maybe he really is interested. Yeah, he could be. <laughs> and 
that's it. We don't know. See my mental programming? That they that's just right. wanted to blow you off. That's very common. We expect that to happen. We don't really know the truth. So what we teach is to diffuse it and to re-engage in a way to expose the truth. So what we say is someone says to me the same information, I'd say, that's not a problem. Sounds familiar? Yeah. <laughs> that's not a problem. I'd be happy to send you what you might need. Can you help me understand specifically what issues are you trying to solve so I can customize what to send you? Uh, that's good. Would that make sense? So we're not forcing them to talk to us. We're just saying, would it make sense to first understand what specifically you're trying to deal with so I can know what to send you? Because logically, it makes no sense to send somebody that might miss the mark. Yeah, and if they're not going to take the time to do it, it's probably move on. You have to flush it out. That's good. All right, call me on Friday. How about that? Oh, yeah. A common blow-off sometimes when you're making a call with someone. And you call on Friday, and then guess what happens? They're not there. What we have created is what we call a calendar relationship. The concept that's developed that's been very effective that you can use to book appointments with people in a non-aggressive way. So normally, if you're on a call with someone, it's coming to an end. What you would say is, well, great. How about if we talk on Friday, right? Or talk next week, and the person says, sure, call me on Friday. And you hang up, and they're not there. So what we teach is a concept called a calendar relationship. And what you would say is, well, would it make sense? Would it make sense for us to circle back and talk again another time and date, say next week, so we can really just reconnect again and answer any questions you might have? And that way we can not chase each other down and just to be on the calendar a long way. Does that make sense at all? Okay, and you get them to agree on that. You're getting to agree that it makes no sense for either you or me to chase each other down. So it's just common sense and common respect for both people and all of this. No, that's great. How about when interested potential clients disappear? What's this about? Oh, yeah, yeah. You probably have this happen where you're working with somebody and shows a lot of interest, and you go through the sales process with them, you meet them, and you send their information out, and it's all looking good, and all of a sudden they disappear on you. They just don't call you back. How do you suppose what people handle that who have been schooled the old way? What do they typically do if they don't get a call back? They call back and say, hey, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's the deal? You disappeared on me. They keep chasing, they keep chasing, that creates more what? More stress and tension, more right. More pressure. You see how we've been trained to pursue and not get to the truth? Yeah, so, it's absolutely been programmed. It's just amazing how we hit our heads against the wall. So I call that the chasing game, and if anyone listening to this call is chasing, I would just absolutely stop right away, because it's a different way of doing this and much more safe. All right, so what do you do? Do you call the guy back? No, well, you certainly call the person back, but you don't call to say, hey, I'm calling to follow up. That's mm -hmm. the deadly word of them all. You never use the word follow up. That's another word we extract from our language altogether. So what you do is, first of all, you have to understand that we don't have a yes, we don't have a no. Our goal is to get the truth of where the situation stands. So what you do is you call back and you say, hi, Jim, I'm not giving you a call to move the sales process forward. That's the first thing you say. So imagine what the person is feeling or thinking at that moment. Especially just keep pushing, right? But instead you're diffusing the pressure here. You're taking the pressure off the scenario. You say, look, I'm not calling to push things forward. I'm just calling to get some feedback. I haven't heard back from you for a couple of weeks, so I assume maybe you decided not to move forward, which is fine. It's not a problem with me. I was just calling to get some feedback to find out where I can improve my sound around. You're basically saying, look, I know it's probably over. You're saying it's over, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to pressure you for yes or no. All I'm looking for is the truth of where things stand. Why do you think prospects or people are afraid to tell the truth to salespeople? What might they do? They don't want to hurt their feelings. Perfect. They don't want to hurt their feelings and they don't want the person to be more aggressive with them to try to turn things around. There's a fear of sharing the truth with someone who sells. So what we do is we teach you to diffuse that suspicion to allow the other person to tell you the truth without him getting negative repercussions from you. And that really summarizes the whole concept. All right, now with email, it sounds 
sounds like these word scripts, these answers to objections, could also come in the form of emails and direct mail. Are these effective through a letter and email as well? Very much so. We teach a whole module on what I call the written word, which is email communication, because I can't tell you how many times people use email in the sales process and kill the deal just based upon their approach. And you're absolutely right. We have this template you can use and these words that we're talking about you can use as well in the email that does not come across like a sales pitch. And yes, this is all transferred across the email as well. Yeah, it sounds like you got some neuro-linguistic programming designed into this, maybe unintentionally or intentionally. Well, definitely not intentionally because, yeah, it can be labeled that way. But I think the whole idea here is we're not trying to match or mirror anybody or try and persuade them or coerce them. What we're trying to do is remove the tension that exists in the selling and buying relationship to allow the relationship to evolve naturally. Let's go over the actual products that you offer, the training itself. Can you describe what's available if someone was interested to get the whole gamut of the training that you offer? How does it come? Is it on CD? Is it video? Give me details on what you have. What we've learned is that in order to change your mindset and shift over to this concept, you have to have three modes of learning. One is the video, the visual. So we have an online video where you actually can watch this live training where I'm teaching how to think this way with a live skeptical audience. How long is that? Well, it's about 45 minutes. And then there's the audio material, which is the sequential step-by-step concepts and wording to use that's available, which is about four hours or so of audio, which comes online and on CDs. And then, of course, there's the written material, which is also very important, that's an e-book form that you print out. It's all included in the mastery program. And we also have a coaching staff that works with you as part of the mastery program to work with you to really hone this to make sure this really sticks as a permanent way of being, because I can't tell you how many people who try and make the shift on their own without support end up going back to the old way because they're so used to it. Okay, so tell me about that support. You've got this mastery program, 45 minutes of video. You've got the e-books, all the word scripts and word packages transcribed out in the four hours of audio on CD, or you can listen online as well. Correct. And then along with that, you have access to call any of our coaching staff for questions you might have because people are going to need some help to develop the problem statements and the wording to use. We actually already have wording by industry over the four years we've collected in our database. We have languaging to use for real estate, for insurance, for software, for marketing, for consultants, for coaches, so we can help provide that to the folks who come on board. Do you sell that in any of your packaging? It comes with the program. So all your word language for all the industries comes with the program? Yeah, in the program are some examples, and then we have more in our database. We keep adding more all the time, you see, so basically you have full access to all of it. I see. So let's say I'm in real estate, and I want all the objection handling related to my industry. How do I access that information? Online? Well, it's through your personal coach. We have a different form. We have documents. We have audio. Usually what happens in reality is people call and say, I've got these two situations that I'm stuck on because most of it they can figure on their own. I'm stuck here. How do I respond to this? Or if I'm a real estate, I'm calling for sale by owners at their homes. What should I say after this point? So we have it all mapped out already. How much coaching time do I get? We may end up changing, but at the moment they have access on a 90-day basis to the coaching staff. And at the moment, we haven't restricted it because we trust people to use it in good faith. So we haven't had anyone take advantage of this yet. We leave it pretty much open so you can really call your coach as much as you need to to get this down. For 90 days. That's usually all they really need. Okay, that's pretty good. And you've got two different programs. You've got the mastery and what's the other one? And the basic. The basic is the materials on their own with no help at all from a human being. Now, after 90 days, if I want additional coaching, what's that going to cost me? It just depends. We're happy to take a five, ten minute call. We're not really strict about that. If you need an hour or so, we can build it out. We have to adjust our rates based upon the situation.
questions, but it's all customizable. It's all reasonable. Okay, very good. Let's go to some frequently asked questions. How would you say this program is different from all the other selling programs? And I know we've talked about it, but let's just recap. Well, it's different because the mental focus is on diffusing the pressure and building trust with the person on the phone and to break that 50 seconds down into a way that's stress-free and to be able to make the call and to build a conversation to really determine the truth whether it's a fit there or not on the phone. So the way we're different is that we don't just tell you, think positive, make the call, and get over your fear. We show you exactly how to deliver it in a way that's not scripted but is natural and relaxed. All right, now how do I know that it doesn't contain a lot of these same old sales messages that I've heard from the sales gurus that you hear so much about? Because it's a complete opposite of that. It's the counter to the traditional way of thinking because we don't teach go make the sale. We teach go get the truth of whether does it fit there or not? So by removing the assumption from your mind, you're making a call to someone in a humble manner. You're not assuming that what you have is for them. You see, the problem is that the old way of thinking is you find a target market, you find someone to call, and you say to yourself, man, this is great. I'm going to get the appointment. I know I'm going to get it. And what happens is you're mentally focused on that end goal, and the other person feels that from you, and they shut you down. So we release you from the end goal to allow you to have a natural, engaging conversation to really let it evolve in a natural way to determine together if you're fit or not. Now, can I get the immediate results? once I have a good idea how the system works? Oh, absolutely. This is not something you have to memorize to do. This is something you can literally go online, order the program within four or five hours studying the materials. You'll make your own mental shift, and you'll make your changes, and it'll just be obvious to you. You'll just realize things like the word follow-up is a deadly word to use. You'll stop using it right away. You'll stop using the word, would you be interested? I mean, these are immediate changes you'll use right away, and you get different results right away. Okay. How is this program different from prospecting programs that tell you to learn marketing from scratch and never cold call? Marketing is absolutely a legitimate thing to do. I do that. Everyone else does that. So I'm not saying not do marketing. I'm just saying that what most programs say is cold calling is dead. And I agree. To cold call the old way absolutely is dead. You get rejected. It's a hard way to go. But to cold call the humane way it's a whole different world in a much more relaxed manner. So I just think a lot of people do not acknowledge a different way of doing it. And like you said earlier on this call, it's almost free to make a phone call. Absolutely. With this way in the power of talking to your person, you know, a lot of these marketing programs out there with postcards and direct mail and all this other stuff in a lot of ways is all there because people want to avoid the pain of cold calling. Where if you just pick up the phone and call, you could be talking to your prospect right there instead of sending out lead generation pieces to have them call you. Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Does this deal with the gatekeepers? Oh, very much so. Yeah. There's a whole methodology around gatekeepers. Any resistance that you get in the selling process is handled in the program. This is very, very good. I think my listeners will be interested in this. And you're doing some great stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this interview. For more information on this system, go to painfreecoldcalls.com. That's P-A-I-N-F-R-E-E-C-O-L-D-C-A-L-L-S.com.